0: Welcome back, Aspire Leaders, and happy Father's Day to all my dads out there. As educators, we get thanked for helping shape and mold our students all the time, but we don't always get the same gratitude for investing in our own children. So I'm here to say today, thank you to the dads, the grandfathers, single moms filling in the dad role, stepdads, adoptive dads, male mentors, or anyone who's leading and positively influencing our children. You are making a huge difference with your presence, and even if you don't see it every day, please know that you're making a huge difference in the lives of these kids. I'm back from Hot Springs Technology Institute Conference, and Jeff Gargas and I had the wonderful time presenting on a whole bunch of different topics, including podcasting, trauma-informed care, social media presence, and Aspire to Lead. With the move to Colorado and traveling to speak, this Failure File's Will be the only episode for the week, and I'll be back to my normal format next week. Welcome back everyone to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua Double underscore Stamper. Today I have two wonderful tech coaches who happened to be on the podcast a few months ago. They're going to be sharing a leadership failure that taught them a very valuable lesson. So to kick off the episode, Mike and Sam, what would you like to share in regards to a story that really was a leadership failure? So when I first got
1: into instructional technology, I was um, just out of the math classroom and I had done a really good job of putting all of my material online. Like there was no question that didn't have a video explaining how to do that math problem. And so I had this glorious idea, well, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go find as kind of getting my foot in the door, I'm gonna go find an eighth grade math teacher just like I taught and try to get him to do what I did in my classroom. That was my original, my original thought. And so I went and found him newer teacher, I think it was like his second year teaching, and you know, I kind of explained to him everything that I did. And I started from, you know, I made I made this Google site. I had a picture of every single, a PDF of every single uh, math problem I had. And then I had a link to the video on how to do it. It included like learning how to use Edger Creations, that app, which was new to him and annotating on an iPad and all this stuff. You know, he, he was super nice, right? And he was listening and he was, you know, kind of taking notes. And then I came back about a you know week or two Later, the next opportunity I had, you know, tech coaches don't have all these opportunities to meet teachers every day. And then he had done nothing, right? And I could tell like he was avoiding me when I came in and it's like, oh, you know, I tried a few things, but he had done nothing. He had done nothing. And I realized pretty quickly that I outkicked my coverage. Like (laughs) I I wasn't giving him anything at a reasonable step for him to learn. I just gave him a lot of stuff all at once because it was my excitement And in in a lot of ways, I kind of alienated from the idea of working with me at that point. And so I kind of took that, reflected on it, and I learned that, you know, I have to meet teachers where they are, give them something wherever they are, give them something in a reasonable step. That's what I learned from my first year.
2: I know a lot about Vic, but I don't think I've ever, uh, I've heard that story before. And when you ask the question, my failure is, uh, it's not having to do with teachers, but it is like along the exact same lines. So when I first started in 2007, literally the only piece of technology that was in the room was a projector, right? And, you know, getting the computer lab was just super special, right? And you had to do it months ahead of time or whatever it felt like. And then all throughout teaching, I was always really interested in integrating things, but always just hampered, you know, by the limitation of not having the devices. And so the first year that when I was teaching high school social studies that we got, iPads. I felt like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, oh my goodness, the things I wanted to do every day I can do every day. And so literally like I would pour hours and hours into every single lesson every day doing the most technology enhanced whatever. I mean, like I might use like five or six different apps a day. Like it was, it was crazy over the top, way too much. Just I didn't think there would be a a limit. And then, you know, I, I got some feedback from kids and then uh, uh, then it came down from parents like hey you need to slow down like these kids are just <laughs> drowning in everything you're trying to do and then it got me I mean same lesson that Vic's talking about like if you go too far too fast you know the kids aren't getting anything out of it like you said your teacher wasn't getting anything out of it yeah. and so then I got a lot more intentional and then you know when I when they taught me about the Sarah model I go oh yeah that makes sense you know not just using stuff just to use stuff like let's uh, let's be a little bit more intentional and about it, so it's kind of funny that our, our stories are kind of similar. Yeah.
1: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbettercom podcasts. Now, let's get back to the episode.
0: Mike and Sam's story actually is a perfect segue to the topic I wanted to touch on, in regards to building capacity with your staff. Like I said earlier, I presented at the Hot Springs Technology Institute, and the topic that I was speaking on was aspire to lead as tech coaches. In the presentation, I shared about how you can make an impact on your campus regardless of your title. And I actually use this week's guests and my former colleague, Michael Vick, as the example of how... He defined his own position and went well beyond his own title. And because of this, this was actually a huge reason as to why he was on our campus leadership team and made an even greater impact. So during my presentation, I was talking about how Michael really focused on building capacity versus enabling his staff. Vic always talked about not wanting to be viewed as just like an IT guy that fixed computers and Chromebooks. What he was really interested was instructional strategies and finding ways to impact students across the campus. What was so interesting was when I shared this idea of building capacity versus enabling staff, the audience actually had a very noticeable negative visceral reaction, which took me by surprise. It was obvious that I hit a nerve and folks were really uncomfortable with the thought of creating this type of culture as, as a tech coach. So, I don't know why, but it just stuck in my mind. The whole time traveling back home, I kept thinking, why was this the reaction of these tech coaches? Because I don't think they disagreed with the concept, but for some reason, the experiences they had definitely impacted their thinking greatly in regards to building capacity within their staff. We all know the proverb, it's very popular, right? Give a person a fish, you feed them for a day, teach a person to fish, and you feed them for a lifetime. This is for an illustration that you know, we need to teach someone how to do something instead of simply doing it for themselves. And I don't care the leadership position. This happens all the time. Even nine years into being an assistant principal, I still fought the desire to fix everyone's problem. Every day, someone would come to my door and ask me to fix a small or large problem. And I had to stop myself to not take over the situation and just solve it on the spot, right? So I want to talk through three different strategies on what we can do to build capacity as leaders. Doesn't matter if you're a tech coach, counselor, assistant principal, principal, or upper admin, right? First thing is offering training and development. Now, when I say that, of course, you're probably like, okay, Samper, like I get it. Like <laughs> we do professional development all the time. Uh, this is nothing new. And I'm thinking specifically to Michael Vick, is he offered creative training programs and opportunities. To really get in and build the capacity of our staff. So if I'm using technology as the example, he always allowed them to choose their opportunity to meet with them. So for instance, you know, sometimes he was, hey, can I just have 15 minutes of your time in this team leader training to go over this certain program that's really vital for the English department? Or getting with a staff member saying, hey, can I team teach with this class? And you can see how I work through this strategy in the classroom. A lot of times the teachers absolutely love that because he got to model what was going on with the students. And then also as far as the teaching strategies, sometimes it was a team teach opportunity where they would bounce ideas back and forth off each other. And again, it was the teachers learning from the expert and having an opportunity to get support. Sometimes the teacher wanted to have professional development during their off period or their launch period. Obviously it wasn't something that was mandated upon them, but sometimes teachers would rather do that than spend the time after school or before school to learn about something new. So, going back to the training and development piece, it's crucial to invest in our staff's skills and knowledge. We need to make sure that we're empowering our staff to perform these new tasks more effectively and confidently. But they're not going to do that unless they have the appropriate training and development. And we can always find new ways to do that. Second thing is fostering a learning culture. This is not easy and it takes a lot of time. I'm just going to let you know up front. But creating a learning culture encourages continued improvement and innovation. So what's a good example of that? For us, we built a program at one of my campuses called Creative Corner, and it was an opportunity for our staff to teach each other about all the wonderful things that they're doing in the classroom in regards to technology. So for instance, if you had a program that helped ELL learners, then you would have an opportunity that month to say, hey, I would love to share this with the staff because it was so vital to the growth of my ELL learners, I like to share everything I know about this, let's say it's a a Google extension. Well, we would do a training after school. It was completely voluntary, but they got their PD credit for that. And staff would come in and we would differentiate based on level of knowledge. And it was powerful because it wasn't an administrator mandating that the staff has to be there to learn about this tool. It allowed people to look at the different topics based on what was being presented. If they thought that was valuable for their class and they wanted to learn about it and to grow, then it was there for them. And you know what? At least half of our staff every month showed up to learn whatever new tool was being shared by a peer. When our team members feel encouraged to learn, share their knowledge, and experiment in a safe space, Then they become more adaptable and capable of taking on new challenges. And that's what we want. We want everyone to be better every day, and we definitely want to foster a learning culture. Last thing, and this is tough for any leaders, delegating authority and responsibility, we have to find ways to empower our staff to take ownership of their own work and decision-making. It's easier to give up a problem to a team leader, to an instructional coach, to an administrator. But that allows that teacher or that staff member to give away their power, not to learn through that adversity. We need to make sure that we are enhancing the sense of autonomy, encourage creativity. We need to get out of their way, let them try to solve problems themselves and find creative action plans. We need to say yes to crazy and weird ideas that they might have. And most definitely, we need to find opportunities to develop their leadership abilities as a leader, how many times are you providing opportunities for them to be in a leadership position? Not to say that they, you're just giving titles, leadership titles out all the time, but you can allow them to take the lead on certain projects or certain programs. Again, we can't solve every problem as a leader on a campus, and we definitely need to make sure that we are including other people in the decision-making process. So how are we delegating authority? How are we delegating responsibility? And how are we building capacity on our campus? So I'm asking that question to you. I'd love to hear your responses. I just threw out three. If there's more that you do on your campus, you can always share that out on social media. Tag me, Joshua, double underscore stamper on Twitter and Instagram. I'd love to hear your ideas. Next week, we're going to be back again to our normal schedule. I want to thank Michael and Sam for sharing their story of failure and what they learned through that. I hope everyone has a wonderful week. And again, happy Father's Day.